Welcome to the Cosmic Collective Podcast. I'm your host and psychic medium, Mads, and in this community, we talk about all things spiritual awakening, higher consciousness, and unlocking the path back to your soul. Welcome to the Collective. Hello, everybody. I am really excited about today's episode. I am joined by Kayla, the owner of Akasha Awakened, and she's here to speak about the highly requested topic of the Akashic Records. I want to talk about karma, how to make the most of your incarnation, past lives, all the juicy good stuff. So Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Let's just dive into it. Like, how did you get into the work that you're doing? Because you're doing quite spiritual work. How did you get here? Okay. I thought about I thought about this before we got on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to say? Because it was a very interesting journey. So I'll just try to zip it along, but it's kind of interesting and it plays into the record. So sure. I've always been curious and questioning when it comes to like the general narratives that we've been given like, you know, with maybe like organized religion or what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Like you go to school, you get a job, you do that forever. And then you hope to retire with some money and freedom. Right. I've always felt like, does that really make sense? Like, I don't know. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) So I've been curious, but I never, I'm kind of a, I need tangible evidence. Like I'm not just going to believe something for the sake of believing it. I really needed to kind of experience it myself. So I was questioning, questioning, And there's kind of two main events that kind of really got me to where I am now. So the first event is I have this grandma or I had this grandma, just a regular grandma, like kind of quiet, kind of serious, not spiritual, not religious, like really just hard life. So life was just blah to her. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting down and I was probably in university. So I was like in my early 20s. And we're watching this paranormal activity or paranormal event. Spooky. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was mostly like ghost stories, but there was one and it was actually about this UFO that like shut down a car's engine. You know, you've heard of those stories, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And my grandma dead ass looks at me and she's like, that happened to me once. (gasps) No. Yeah. And I was like, what? So I was trying to probe her for information, but she did. She's like, I didn't know. I was stunned. I didn't know. But she said this flying disc stopped her car. Oh my God. Wait. Okay. Oh my God. Wait, no, I'm so excited. We could totally talk about aliens and UFOs too, because she would have been growing up in what? Like the sixties, seventies. Oh man. Oh my God. No, before that. Yeah. Before that, like the forties and (gasps) fifties. Oh my God, wait, no, this is so exciting. Okay, go on. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Yeah, so that was my first, like my grandma would never make this up. Like, why would she say that? And then her children, so like my aunts and uncles and parents had heard the actual story, which was exactly that, that it stopped her vehicle. And they basically told her in her mind's eye, I don't know what she saw or she just heard it. Right. She heard, if you don't turn this car around and go home, because she was going to like go do something maybe dangerous or whatever we're not turning your car back on so what the heck right so I was like all right there's one to me that was like I need to explore this right so it's not that I necessarily was like I believe in aliens but you Mm -hmm. start kind of being like is there something else out there and if there is what do they believe 
Like what Mm. is their spiritual truth? Because I can't find anything here that I think is verifiable. So if you Google that enough, (laughs) find things. um, I got, yeah, (laughs) I actually got led to Dolores Cannon. Are you familiar with her? Yeah, I am. Yeah, Mm -hmm, for sure. She talks about that stuff. Um, Immensely. Yeah. So then I just really like read so many of her books. I watched so many of her YouTube videos and she is a proponent of hypnosis. Yes. So then event number two is I went and got hypnotized. And I, I thought it was just crazy at the time, but I seen aliens and I seen a giant library and I seen a past life. Okay. And it all just felt made up and nonsensical to me. Like when I left, I was like, what was that? But (laughs) then I went and I like Googled the event that I had experienced in the past life and it was recorded. It was documented and I didn't know about it. So then I was like, okay. That's the empirical data I needed. Right. And honestly, I looked into hypnosis actually to do that, but it just never lined up. And then it's like the Akashic Records slapped me in the face. Never heard of them. Right. And they just like fell into my lap in this really magical way. And I started just diving in and here we are. Amazing. Oh my God. Okay. First question before we get into the records. What mm-hmm. kind of alien did you see? I need to know. <laughs> uh, they were really feel tall <laughs> yeah no they were really tall very thin and they kind of had square-ish heads and almost yeah. like I want to say at the time at the time I didn't know what they were but I think it was like gills in the side of their cheeks okay and they had beautiful like they were black eyes but they were like beaming with love and like kindness oh. And my hypnosis, my hypnosis guide was like, what do you see? And she's like, you're supposed to be looking at your spirit guides. And I just didn't say anything. <laughs> she was like, I don't know who the fuck that I is. Went, I don't know. So she's like, let's just move on. And I was like, yeah, let's move on. This is really creepy. So that's yeah. what I saw. Fair enough. Do you know what kind of like, is that like a particular like star origin type or something like that? Or do you still not know to this day, like who you saw? My guess is if you've heard of Mintaka, that ah. would be what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in talking. Yeah. That makes it with the gills. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. And only because I, my hypnotherapist knew a lot more than I did when I was going in. I was at the same time having weird dreams okay. about this world. And I thought it felt really real to me. And I thought I just didn't need to breathe underwater. But in retrospect, I think I could just breathe underwater. And my guy, my hypnosis guide was like, let's explore where that is. And I kid you not, without knowing anything, we went to Orion's belt and we zoomed into the Mintakan star. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. And then it's like, fast forward, when I stumbled into the Akashic Records, there was a core definition of that place. And like, wow. so I had the hypno- hypnosis experience and then I seen the core definition that somebody else had guided me through. And I was like, that's impossible. Right. Like, yeah. You can't make that shit up. Like that's no, especially when you've never heard of these places before. And you kind of go into hypnosis blind, like not knowing what to expect. Like, how would you make up like that being, you know, like you, we know like based off psychology and from what I've studied in, in university of like, you can't make up a face. Your brain cannot make up a face. Like in your dreams, the faces you see, even if it's not people that you're close with, it's strangers faces that you've seen, or it's people on the other side that you're actually seeing. Like you cannot put facial parts together and create a new face. So you can't make up like a being that you're seeing. Ooh, I forgot about that. That's very interesting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it just kind of adds like a little spooky twist, which 
on theme. It's Halloween today when we're recording. So I kind of love this. (laughs) Um, So talk to us about the Akashic Records. What are they? Okay. So the best definition or like the textbook definition of them is they're a fifth dimensional database of your soul's stories. So every past life, every experience that you could have in the present, even your potential future outcomes. Mm -hmm. So it's like even every breath you've ever taken will be recorded to that detail in the Akashic Records. Wow. Um, I think like the easiest way people mostly imagine it like an etheric library because it's the stories of your soul, right? Right. But I've often found the easiest way to explain it is when you compare it to something like the internet, right? There's Mm. all this data in one spot, in one place, it's outside of time and space, and it doesn't have a physical location. So when we think about like Google Drive or the internet, we can see that our earthly technology is actually catching up to the spiritual technology. So that's how I would describe it. Okay. And so do the Akashic records cover all types of incarnations or are they just the records of earth incarnations? They are all incarnations. The only tricky thing is, is that if you're a reader, it's actually really challenging to pick up any incarnations from other worlds because we don't understand like the quantum physics of it. So Mm, it's very challenging. Like I can see when I go in like other places that you may have incarnated. So I can see like the location, but, and what kind of like energy you would have lived in, but I can't see the story because it's just so different. Their, their concept of karma, their concept of time is so different. I don't have a frame of reference and most people don't. So it is all incarnations, but other than those fine details, I would say it's really challenging to actually look up a past life in a world. Okay. I feel like that makes sense too. And I feel like as, as great as those memories are of like, if you naturally have like memories of lifetimes and other systems, they're great, but they're also like not entirely relevant. Like I could tell you what I was doing in a couple of my off earth incarnations and like, there's not much I can do with that here on earth. You know what I mean? Like nothing works the same. So I feel like maybe it's meant to be more like honed into the details of earth because hello, that's like where we're floating on right now. So that makes sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. I have some memories of my other worlds too. And yeah, it's just not really relevant like, at all. It's not like, it's a cute little memory and you're kind of like, oh, like that would be kind of nice to escape into right now, but you know, exactly. You can't, you can't so much. Yeah. Um, you mentioned karma and I remember whenever we had our reading a couple of years ago, you actually kind of like really helped like expand my perspective on karma saying it's not just about like how you treat other people but it's also about what you accept into your life and how you treat yourself Mm -hmm. can you just kind of elaborate on that because I feel like so many people are like you know really there's a lot going on obviously on social media with like spiritual concepts and I feel like karma is one of those very misconstrued concepts if that makes Mm -hmm. sense I completely agree. So this is actually my favorite thing to talk about. And when I go into the records, it's my favorite thing to look at for Ah. everybody as well. I love seeing what people's soul stories and karma is because it really empowers us in the present moment to take more aligned action to where we want to go. And it just gets us there faster. So I love karma. (laughs) So 
my little definition of karma is that most of us have been fed this idea that karma is like a good deed bank account and you're like a good sister, a good employee, a good friend, a good partner, a good community citizen, and you're getting this karmic credit and then one random arbitrary day it's supposed to like cash out and you're (laughs) supposed to have all the good stuff because you were a good person, you know, like what goes around comes around. Right. And it's partly based on truth, but it's been manipulated to make people conform and think about what they can do for everyone else, right? So what karma is actually doing is it doesn't take into consideration any other person or objective. It's just looking at the relationship you have with yourself. So it's kind of like this giant mirror that reflects back the actions you take for yourself back to you. So actually, Mm -hmm. let's say you were volunteering your time because you were like, Ooh, that's the good community citizen thing to do. These people are less fortunate than me. I'm going to volunteer my time. Karma doesn't care what you thought you were doing was good. It's watching you give away your time for other people. And let's say you don't have a lot of time to give away. You're actually just manifesting more loss of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually just takes what you're doing and sends that intention back to you and it doesn't consider other people it's just action consequence so if you give up your time you're going to lose more time if you donate your money to something when you didn't have a lot you're just setting this intention that everyone deserves more money or your money and you don't so it's not that other people don't matter it's just that we're all exactly equal so when we start putting everyone ahead of us you've set that intention with universe and you just keep creating it and yeah it's just like this loop of cause and effect and we're so busy concerned with everyone else and not with ourselves and we're actually creating lack by not treating ourselves fairly (laughs) so it's kind of like this this I guess quantum code that would call you to really bring into balance how much you give to others but also making sure that you're giving to yourself and also creating priority for yourself without going into that whole like egocentric at other people's expense kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel, I always say, it's not that you can't volunteer your time or donate money or do these things, but it does have to be from the heart and you truly have to have an abundance of it. Because if you give away what little money you have or what little time you have, you're just creating a bigger deficit. And it's kind of like when you actually, it's like that empty cup thing. You can't give from an empty cup, but yet we always do it. And we don't realize that we're actually generating like negativity from the universe. So the code kind of works like when you see yourself as positive and like a divine being, and you sort of put that divinity into action and you have good boundaries, you know, your worth and you're acting accordingly, you kind of get this big plus sign from the universe and it starts to give you abundance in return, whether it's like money, health, happiness. But when you start to negate your divinity, negate your boundaries, treat yourself negative, like you don't matter, your time isn't valuable. You get a big negative sign from the universe. It's just matching your energy right? and you start to generate lack. So this is the kind of example you like get a speeding ticket and you're like, why did I get this? Somewhere along the line, you basically set the pace with the universe that you deserved it. You don't, the money that you make isn't for you, it's for bills. So you'll Mm -hmm. generate additional bills. It's crazy how it works. It's like we're totally creating our reality through the choices that we take. And then it makes up 
our consequences and our consequences is what our life really looks like. The relationships we have, how much money we have, um, you know, how happy we are, how much energy we are. It's just a consequence of an action that we took somewhere else. And we're so good at being like, oh, divine timing, which I do believe in, Mm -hmm. you know, divine timing, or it just wasn't meant for me or this, that, or the other. And it's like, actually what's probably happening is you're not acting in alignment with your soul's truth. I love that. How would you then kind of counsel someone to take inventory on taking more aligned action? Like how would someone know? I mean, obviously like the speeding ticket and those upcoming bills that just kind of pop out of nowhere in those unfortunate events. But what if those, what if, because it's also possible to be kind of like net neutral too with the universe I find where you're not generating any negativity, but you're also not really generating that positive. It's kind of like that transition period where you're moving from one Mm -hmm. to the other. So how would individuals who are maybe in that kind of net neutral space with karma and the quantum field shift into abundance and like receptivity of everything they desire? So if I was going to counsel someone, since I use the Akashic records, I would actually open their Akashic record and I would look at what alignment or like, I would look at what their soul's gift, what their soul gifts are, what their karma is. I would look at the basic blueprint of who they are that never changes from lifetime to lifetime. When we're sparked into existence, we are this unique, magnificent being. And I would look into what some of those unique, magnificent things are. And I would say, you got to put more of this divinity into motion. You have to share your gifts. Mm -hmm. You have to honor it. And I would literally explain to you what that honor system looks like and what the dishonor system looks like. It's a simplistic approach to it, but it, it gives people like a tangible kind of radar to follow. Okay. I would look into, um, their past lives. I would see if they had any blocks, you know, let's say, um, in a past life, they were very impoverished. They're going to bring forth this poverty consciousness and it's likely going to impact them. So then I would say you have this, let's release it from your record. And if someone's in a neutral space, um, to get shifting into abundance, usually it's like sharing who you are on the next level. And it's going to require you to do something a little bit uncomfortable. So Mm. being more bold, making an offering, holding a boundary, asking for a raise, you know, changing jobs, Mm. you kind of have to push yourself into that next caliber. Right. And then you have to hold the frequency because I also find that there's like, once you make that gesture, you're kind of like, it's not coming. It's not coming. I've made a mistake. Everything goes quiet, but there's, it's kind of, I don't like to call it a test, but it is, you have to make sure that you mean it and hold the frequency. And then it comes in just like in the nick of time. I swear that happens to me all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like a test of faith. I find too, Mm. of like, okay, you made the move and quote, nothing is like, you know, like coming to physical fruition, but it's really just hold the faith and know that it's there. And then boom, it just arrives. And it's just right in front of you every time, but it makes you sweat, right? You're like, I'm sweating. This isn't working, but you just got to wait. Every time sweat, anxiety, a little bit of, you know, frustration journaling where you're kind of like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Exactly. Um, But it's a test too, of like stepping out of the comfort zone and trusting your intuition. And I always like to say that the universe, your higher self, whatever you believe in, wouldn't guide you somewhere that isn't better than the position you're already in. And it doesn't always manifest 
you know, to the ego mind that way. Cause sometimes like placing, um, boundaries or leaving a job, those are really challenging things. It's like, how could doing this and, you know, being out of work for a month be a positive thing, but it ends up reorienting you exactly where you need to be. And I am a firm believer in that. I agree. And, you know, I always talk about when we really start to get more of what we want and have more abundance, have more success, have more awareness, even of what we want, we've technically raised our vibration. Yeah. And because, so then we start catching things in that vibrational pool, which is what we want. We want higher, more aligned things. And technically speaking, if you really think about the quantum physics of things, you can do things that maybe temporarily lower your vibration, but you can't actually go down and stay there. Right. Because you can't lose awareness. What you've learned, you can't unlearn. I so know. <laughs> your vibration doesn't really fall back into this place of lack. It's likely temporary because you've already built that awareness and you're yeah. in this upper vibrational net and you're going to start catching things in this place. And you just need to know that it's really hard to go backwards unless you yeah. actively sabotage yourself. <laughs> Which is more rare than I think people would probably think listening to this. It's kind of like a slingshot. Like I feel like those ego triggers come in and you kind of go back into that maybe quote lower vibrational frequency that that wounding, but then you heal it. And then not only do you go back to that higher vibration, that higher awareness you had, oftentimes you go even like a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And so really there is no, like, I think, I don't know about you, but I have clients who will come to me and say, like, I feel like I'm regressing. I feel like I'm in this really challenging space. Like, I'm just afraid that I'm falling back into my old life when really it's just a slingshot that pulls you back so you can go even forward. Do you see mm -hmm. that often with your clients? Yeah. yeah, I do actually. I actually, yeah, I actually experienced it myself a little bit, not like spiritually. I just had a year of like hard, like just a lot of challenges that were sort of external from me. And I felt really right. out of control. And normally I'm an excellent manifester. Right. And when I really tapped in, I realized, you know, I was doing a review. So I kind of had to get like pulled back okay. to look at anything that I skipped over. And at the mm -hmm. time I was like, no, I'm totally aware of myself. No, when I got pulled back, I seen some areas where I was like, oh, I have terrible boundaries here, or I have this, or I have mm -hmm. this. And then all that sort of stuff I was picking through, it just like, yeah, like I went through it and I do see it in my clients as well. And it's just to, yeah, like pull back, see what you've missed. Yeah. That's not serving you to set you even farther. And it literally was a slingshot. It was like a couple of years ago. And then the year after that, I just really like blew up and I was like, wow. yes, let's so, go. <laughs> yeah. I think, are you in your Saturn return right now by chance? No, actually okay. all my awakening happened in my Saturn return. So okay. that's when, you know, the hypnosis happened, all that stuff. But okay. I'm in the middle of, it was like Saturn and Pluto were right on top of each other. So I'm just like letting go of some Pluto stuff. Ooh. Oh yeah. yeah. Bye. That can I go. got it all at once. You can even see it in my astrology chart that it's like, I just decided I was going to do it all in a five-year window. Which is like efficient. Know. It's efficient, but a part of me is like, maybe not next time. Maybe we'll start it up just a little bit. Yeah, maybe soften it up. Um, the reason I'm asking about Saturn returns is because Saturn is known as the planet of karma. And so I'm wondering if you can speak to the experience that 
you know, people will have during their Saturn returns and how it is related to their Akashic records. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up Saturn. So I'm a Capricorn rising. So I'm Ah. ruled by Saturn, which is probably why I love talking about karma. (laughs) So in your Saturn return, so this is how I understand it, but feel free to elaborate because I'm, I'm not as well-versed in astrology as I am in the Akashic records. So Saturn is our great, like one of our greatest teachers and he's like wise and patient. And whenever I see him or I see like Metatron in the Akashic records and he really, he's him and Saturn are like this. So whenever I see Metatron, he's kind of funny, but in this dry humor kind of way. And he's always (laughs) like, when I first started going in the records, he was always watching over me. He'd have his like hands behind his back and he would just kind of like peer over me see what I was doing, make sure I wasn't making any mistakes, but he's never, he's, if he's a teacher and you're one of his students, he's not going to give you the answers. So he's Mm. just going to be like, why don't you look at that again? Right. So when our Saturn return comes from what I understand, it's kind of like this checkpoint where it's time for us to mature Mm. into our next level and kind of graduate from whatever lesson we've been learning and anytime we're graduating there's sort of these tests right like and whenever we're up leveling there's always a test in life like thinking about people who have children you're going to become a parent but you have to go through that birthing process first and that is a painful period when you are graduating university you have to write all those final exams hand in your practicums and it's intense you need to go through these initiations to move to the other side so your Saturn return is really you writing those exams for whatever you've learned prior to that and it's sometimes challenging you feel like you're doing it all on your own you don't have the cheat sheet but it really up levels you into this place of more alignment more wisdom more um, direction or purpose yeah would you say that that kind of aligns and with the Akashic records, um, karma carries over, right? So wherever you die in your life before you'll be reborn into something that vibrationally matches. So the first 27 ish years of your life before your Saturn return, you're working out or trying, I don't want to say working out, you're understanding and working out the karma that you left your other life. Oh, 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 yes. That makes an abundant amount of sense. I'll go into that in a second. Um, (laughs) Yeah. In terms of what the Saturn return is, that's spot on. It really is. It's kind of how I explain it to a lot of people too. It's kind of like, if you aren't living in alignment, have fun. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to rock you because that's kind of like taking the test without having studied it all, without learning any of the material, which feels nauseating and stressful. And like, you've been thrown into the cosmic blender and then spit out a couple of times. If you've been making the adjustments and you've been learning the lessons and you've been applying everything, it's still intense. It's still hard. There are a lot of life changes, but I find those life changes are oftentimes they feel more positive and they, they, they come with, um, it takes structure and it takes discipline and it takes definitely this sense of like really needing to be intentional, but it feels 
it's a good kind of pressure. It's like, okay, like I'm doing this for the long-term benefit rather than the universe has literally thrown me into a neutral bullet right now and is making a smoothie out of me. Like that's, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a difference there. That's the analogy. I had a smoothie for breakfast this morning, if you can't tell. Um, and then in terms of the first 27 years, oh my God, that makes such an abundant amount of sense to me. I, my most recent past life was, I died in 1942, actually around this time of year in Scorpio season. And I can tell you like the events that have taken place in these, you know, these years of my life, like they're finally coming to a close, but even so I'm, I'm kind of in the tail end. My Saturn return starts in a few years and I can kind of feel myself being in the tail end of like really refining those lessons and seeing them kind of show up more in business rather than personal life and really just getting things in order. So I didn't know that about the karma, like the first 27 years, but that personally checks out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. I remember my past life too. And I died in 1976. Oh my God. That's so like recent. Yeah. I didn't take that long of a break because I I died kind of untimely. I was actually murdered, unfortunately. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. I was murdered and I, I'm like the first 27 years of my life. I can't really remember everything, but I felt like really misunderstood. I felt really unlovable. I felt really like not valuable, which mm-hmm. is exactly what I, you know, was working out the story of like not being valuable that someone could just do that. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then I think I gave up on a lot of my dreams in that lifetime or I didn't see them because I had died so young. So then this right. lifetime was like up to 27 and I did kind of get whiplash for my um, Saturn return because I, I wasn't awake. Like I wasn't spiritual. Uh, I was, if anything, a pessimistic conspiracy. theorist. <laughs> so Saturn definitely put me through the blender. He was like, wake up. Your life yeah. is intentional. Right. You're here on purpose. Right. You're not nothing. You are lovable. Like, let's just throw that away. So I got like so many wake up calls, but I wouldn't change yeah. it. You know, like it, right. it, was exactly what made me create this business, right? Like it happened so exactly. fast and dirty that like all of a sudden it was like, hey, I read Akashic Records now. Let's do this for others. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think that, I think in a sense too, that's exactly how you timed it in your soul contract for this lifetime mm-hmm. of not being awake until your Saturn return. I don't think there's anything wrong with that or that that was misaligned in any way either. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want people listening to be like, oh, I'm not in alignment. I have to be in alignment before my Saturn return. Maybe not. Like maybe you're meant to, you know, maybe the universe needs to make a smoothie out of you for you to get to where you need to be. That's Um, very true because I believe that I needed that pessimism and that feeling of worthlessness to be so shocked that I came here on purpose and I have gifts and Mm -hmm. I'm here to do something with my life. I needed that massive boom, boom, for me to be so passionate about it that now I do it for others as my career, right? Like you sometimes don't realize the power of those aha moments because they're so transformational in the best way. Yeah. And I feel like contrast is such a key part of that, right? Like you had to literally feel and see your own life change to be so impassioned with what you do. If you Mm -hmm. had been living like a semi-optimistic, like it's good enough kind of life and then went and got into the records and had this transformation, it, maybe it wouldn't have been as powerful for you in the sense of stepping into purpose and giving it to, to others as service. Oh, for sure. And I also feel my story 
like I lived it. I turned my life around. It did a 180. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm a great example of the power of the Akashic record. So exactly. if I just kind of floated into it just because it was a hobby of mine, I don't know if I'd be as convincing. Yeah. Like so right. true. Credibility, validity. You have to mm -hmm. be, I always, you know, say too, you have to be your number one testimonial. Like you have to live by your method. You have to be the example because well, first of all, how else are you going to bring other people through it if you haven't been through it yourself? Oh, and also sure. people eat that shit up. Like they need to see how your life went the 180 because they need to know that it's possible for them, right? Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So speaking on past lives, since we've kind of brought this up, what are some common influences that the majority of people would have like an awareness of their past life kind of affecting this life? Because I think people hear that and they're like, you know, I don't remember anything about my past lives, but it is absolutely playing out in this life. So what are some like indicators that are pretty general for most of the population? All right. Some, I love that question. That's awesome. <laughs> some really simple things. And then I'll give you some more like deep diving things. So okay. simple things, whatever you're afraid of, if you have a weird fear or phobia, you definitely live that shit in a past life and you are yeah. traumatized by it. Yes. Do you have one? I'm curious. Yeah, spiders. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I wonder what you were doing. Oh, no. So I, we can talk a little bit more in detail. They already know on the podcast, but I um, was in the war and like Second World War. Um, the barracks were not really the nicest place mm -hmm. and they, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot. Um, and also um, earwigs. Mm -mm. Those two, I'm like, hard stop, hard stop. Like, wow. I can't even get close to like killing them with like a, a Kleenex. I have to grab a vacuum and like, like, oh my God, that's yeah, so funny. I yeah, hate that it sense. so much. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't like water, but I was waterboarded. So like, it's not like big mm -hmm. things of water. It's like, I don't really like baths. I don't want to be underwater. Mm -hmm. I like being by it. I don't want to be in it. Yeah. So that's that's kind of, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> yeah. It's fun that's time. Funny. I know. So yeah, your weird fears definitely from a past life. Um, also, whatever movies you loved as a child, I guarantee you had a past life that like whatever your favorite Disney movie was before you were like seven years old, I guarantee you had a past life that mirrored that. I guarantee it. I see it all the time. It's the number one thing that I'll be like, <laughs> what was your past life? What was your favorite Disney movie? Like, so I loved Fern Gully and Aladdin and I had a okay. life as a fairy and I had oh. a life as like some Arabian princess. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I'm trying to figure out what Fox and the Hound means. Like I definitely was a little fox trotting around. Ooh. I think it's related to like countryside living because there's a lifetime yeah. I had that was quite lovely. That was like, I don't know. Where's cancer in your chart? Uh, third house. Okay. That doesn't really help me, but yeah, sometimes people with like a lot of cancer placements, they love like those little hunkered in like earthly living on the land, safe lifetimes. So that's exactly the lifetime that I'm thinking about that would be related to it. It was uh, back in 1400s in France. Like I am incarnated with some of my soul family from that lifetime too. Um, and it was such a soft lifetime, such a beautifully mm -hmm. soft lifetime. One of the few that I've had on earth that have been so soft. Um, so that makes sense to me, but cancer has like no bearing in my chart. I have, yeah, I was going to say that doesn't, that doesn't yeah. make sense in the third house. Yeah. No. no. Um, so those are some like little cute things that you can look to. There's okay. obviously things like your 
limiting beliefs, like even your, your inner child, like whatever your inner child went through is just a leave off from the negative experiences you had in a past life. So your limiting beliefs. Okay. Um, people obviously, um, especially really volatile or really, I guess, really extreme reactions to people you, whether Uh, it's like, well, like, like being volatile or toxic, but also those moments where you're like, I am just awestruck by this person or they feel Mm -hmm. so comfortable or like home. Yeah. So we bring our soul family, of course. Yeah. And then um our does like our desires or interests is a really cool one too so you're like oh I just like love music I when I was a little kid I wanted to be a singer it's like well you're probably a singer in your past life you know or um if you're really interested in art or music or whatever um but mostly the biggest thing is you bring forward your unresolved karma right I always describe it like we go into our lives with these plans of what we're going to experience. And sometimes we want to experience grief or loss or victory or courage because on the soul side, we don't have experiences. It's love and euphoria 24 seven. So we come here and we're like, we want to feel, mm-hmm. and then we get hung up on those parts of the story and they're left unresolved. You know, we got riptide by grief and yeah. that's just where we left off. And we're like, damn it. I got to start my next life and I got to resolve or move past that. Um, Or even sometimes we want to feel courage, but we chicken out every lifetime. It's like, well, you're going to keep doing it until you get it. Right. So our unresolved karma is obviously the main thing. What would you say to people who feel like, because, you know, in the work that we do, we know that we very carefully select the karma that we bring in as a soul. Like we get to choose if we don't want to bring something in to resolve it in this life, we can table it, save it, or just clear it on the other side. What would you say to people who feel like they've just been dealt a really shitty hand of karma and maybe are in the opening up stages of accepting the fact that they actually have chosen this as a soul to clear in this lifetime? What's your guidance for them? So I see two things when I meet people who have like very traumatic, painful, painful karma where they have mm-hmm. obviously been dealt a hand that's challenging as fuck. Yeah, challenging. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So this is my the more common thing. So I'll start with this one. Karma, as I mentioned earlier, is just sending you how you treat yourself through right. other people. So right. let's say you were abused. It's likely that in your past lives, you were abusing yourself. And if you ever committed suicide in a past life, yeah, that is the most horrific thing you could ever do to your beautiful divine self. It's self-hatred. When you incarnate into your next life, there's going to be a lot of abuse, but you started it. You started it. So you're here to resolve it. Right. Oh, that makes sense. What about like... Okay. So what about like toxic relationships in the sense of like, I think, how do I want to word this? Like if people get into an abusive, you don't obviously choose to get into an abusive relationship, but like that happens. Is it more likely that that's because of like the suicide, let's say that someone had, or is it possible that they had an experience either with that soul or another soul that was abusive in a past life as well. And they didn't get to clear it. They didn't make it out. And so they're trying to 
let it go in this lifetime. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's like so many different things it could be. So the other thing I wanted to mention, sometimes I've seen this before. Sometimes there are souls out there though, that like volunteers tribute and they're like, I'll take on the abuse. I can do it. But their yeah. soul's plan, so it's not even really their karma. They're just taking one for the team, really. Mm-hmm. But their soul's plan, they're they're a light worker, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they take on a crap incarnation, very abusive, and then yeah. they heal from their story. And then they become like motivational speakers or they publish books about it. Mm-hmm. And they inspire the general collective who's still struggling with that story by overcoming it. So there are people that right. volunteers tribute, but it's okay. less likely than you'd think. It's more so your own karma usually, but that does happen. Okay. So when it comes to relationships, I have seen everything under the sun, but right. it's there's usually two, one of two things happening. So number one is that you can have like a trauma bond or a trauma contract from a past life that again, karma is influencing now. So let's say in a past life, you were like with this person um, and maybe they were abusive or an addict or something. And you're like, we're meant to be together forever. No matter what, we can overcome your addiction. Well, karma's like, as you wish, baby, because karma's like a dumb genie, just watches what you <laughs> sign up for, like the actions that you take. And it's like, oh, because you were literally putting your energy and your action into it, you must love it. And then sure. it just hands it out to you. So mm. then you've created this contract with another soul that literally says, we show our love to one another when we are overcoming struggle. So then the universe is like, struggle, 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 struggle. Mm. And it's just like, your what you said mm-hmm. that you would do then b people have to work out their karma so if let's say someone mm-hmm. murdered you in a past lifetime you will have no choice but in one lifetime to have to res- murder them back it's just how it goes you have to clear the slate but you might be creative and be like a nurse who gave the wrong medication you might not like actively murder them but you have to right. but in those situations where you start playing out these really toxic cycles, I almost guarantee you that that person loves you more than anything. I guarantee you the most dramatic person that you play roles with is like your soul bestie. Mm -hmm. And you guys keep doing it to each other because if you're going to murder, if you're like, I want to be a villain and I want to murder someone, who are you going to ask? You're not going to murder some random soul. You're going to be like, do you want to, do you want to try it? But then we get really stuck in the karma. And sometimes we can't, remove ourselves from it and it just keeps going ah okay that's interesting in my my murder story in my murder story I and it was very organic I didn't go looking for it I actually found one myself and then I had a shaman do like dream work with me and I found the reverse where I murdered that person and they are the most horrendous stories you would ever this t- terrible gross stories yeah and I know who that person is in this life and yeah. like I'm kind of like yeah I can tell that we're like soul family and we just decided to do that together and I don't have any hard feelings towards them it's just like yeah you know you're That's... gonna pick your best friend it's almost like Romeo and Juliet right it's like a play sure you're just holding these roles and then I'm not saying that negative karma and like hard feelings don't build and then suddenly you're not friends anymore as souls. Right. But usually it starts out as like a loving agreement. 
There are though like some really dark like organizations on this planet that trick you into karmic loops. So if you think about yeah. like the pedophile rings and stuff like that, yeah, that's like dark magic and like trickery. So yeah. there are things like that that yeah. are totally like by accident. But anyway. Yeah, well, that's kind of the point that I was about to bring up. We're kind of on the same wavelength there is that the way that I've understood it in studying soul contracts, that there are certain things and a lot of things like 99% of things you chose, like that's, it's pre-contracted, but, and, and I'd love to know your opinion on this or your perspective on this is there were, there are certain things the way that I've understood them from my team and my studies up there that are not contracted, like sexual abuse and most often like murder is how I've understood it. It tends to be like, um, like something that happens within the soul amnesia of the human being and like different acts of aggression. So I'm curious to like see kind of our, our different perspectives there on that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense to you. So I think that like, it's such a fine line, right? Because we do have contracts, but first and foremost, the greatest gift the divine ever gave us was our free will. Absolutely. So the plans and the contracts, they may have been written a certain way, but it doesn't mean that they manifest that way. So that's, Mm -hmm. I, I have heard that that's also like true from what I've learned. The only thing I've heard about sexual abuse, and I'm going to say it, so like just trigger warning for anyone's listening, like just skip over this part, but Mm -hmm. I have consulted people who have been sexually abused and asked them if this was like offensive or rude and they've given me like all of them have given me the okay, but that doesn't mean for everyone, but how would you generate sexual abuse karmically? It's actually very common how you would do this. So in the 1940s or 30s, women were seen as property. So right. you married a man and there's, even though women didn't feel like they had any other choice to karma, there's always a choice. Right. So yeah. was to get married to this person for whatever reason, likely not in love. And you felt like it was designed as a system where women were property and you like were there to please and take care of your husband. So if you would have been someone in a past life who was basically sleeping with someone that they didn't want to against their will and you're basically assaulting yourself right you're saying Mm -hmm. my body isn't mine it's for the pleasure and power of someone else right and then karma's like as you wish and it's like then you can like generate these sexual assault stories in the future I don't want to say that's how they are most commonly but that's how you would generate it some of them yeah also why it's like sexual um, assault in women is like so common. It's like right. coming from the stories where we didn't have sovereignty and we accepted that. Right. But that's not all of the stories. Right. And there's like so many, like you said, there's so many fine lines and like subjectivities to everything. Like everyone chose something so mm-hmm. different. So I think it's definitely like a case by case thing, but it, it, I mean, that makes sense too. And like also seeing, you know, toxic, masculinity and misogyny playing out in and that being released in in the physical realm right now too like there's going to be an increase in these things before it stops unfortunately so oh okay that's a that's a lot so we'll (laughs) we'll we'll keep moving forward from that but thank you for sharing the insights on that because I know that there are a lot of people you know who go through some really challenging things here on earth and I think you know there's there's some awareness that needs to kind of come in on what maybe the possibility was of how it's kind of been influenced by a past life. So thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what would be the kind of like first step that if someone wanted to begin exploring their Akashic records, what is the first step? How can they do this on their own? And when should they kind of seek guidance from someone like yourself who reads the records? Um, the first step. So the first step, if you wanted to explore it on your own, um, it's kind of just like a meditation. You just imagine yourself kind of like going up to the records, calling in the energy. Um, you'll in this space though, you'll likely only be able to do it for yourself because when you're reading the Akashic records for other people, it's kind of like Reiki. You need to be like attuned and like being given permission to be a reader. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing it for yourself, you just kind of meditate. The only advice I would give you is that if you were to walk into the New York city library and just went up to the library and was like, I need a book. What do you got for me? She is going to be like, that's ridiculous. Get out of here. Right. So if you're going into the Akashic records, go in knowing what you want to find. I want to see a past life. I want to see a contract. I want to see why this is happening to me. You need every library needs a method of organization and you need to know what you're looking for or you're going to get crickets. Right. Um, If you're looking for a guide, like the Akashic records are like everything about everything that you've ever done. So if you're looking for a guide, obviously you'd want to select someone who's working in alignment with um, whatever it is you're seeking. Right. And I think that the best the thing that the Akashic records do best is showing you why certain things happen to you to empower you to break that cycle, right? right. Yeah. Take your power back and resolve your karma. So if you're curious about past lives or you're curious about like what you're supposed to be learning from this or what your gifts are and how to move into alignment, you just save yourself a lot of time if you went to a practitioner. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I would I would say. Okay, cool. And are there like collectives records like I don't know how to explain this but like we are here as a human collective so are there is there an Akashic record like are there books and kind of these records of what we collectively choose to experience on the planet as different groups of individuals like obviously there's a lot of forces at play on this planet that are really mm, unpredictable but like are there certain collective agreements that we have as a unit yeah, so there are like collective collective records. So I think, you know, you would look at what's the Akashic record for Mother Earth? Like what has been her energetic story? Um, there are other ways to look at the collective. Um, but I don't I don't t- I look into it a little bit, but I don't typically spend a lot of time looking into the the collective, but they do exist. But you just have to again be specific. I'm looking at Um, the Akashic record for humanity between the years of 1900 to, you know, 2000. I want to know what energetics took place. So you kind of just have to be specific. That's the one thing about the Akashic record is like being specific will help you with everything. Otherwise it's kind of just like kind of crickets in there. So there are collective karma on this planet. Yeah. That's really cool. I'd be like curious to travel up in there and see what the what the collective is working through right now because we're in some very interesting times with the awakening. So mm-hmm. I know I I felt it's just so fast. Like I kind of get yeah. the impression that right now it's like all well, it's definitely like a freedom versus control narrative. Um, but I also feel that we're getting a chance to like redo some of the really awful things. And to me, it feels like 
um, a redo of Atlantis right now. I have heard so many people saying this. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to but elaborate on that? shifting into the alternate. So yeah. Yeah. Atlantis was obviously a really advanced society and what's happening right now happened back then. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, except they were more conscious and more spiritual. They still had their gifts and all this stuff, but right. there was kind of two teams, team kind of like just live and let live and then team control. And they started messing with the fabric of life. They started interfering with free will. They started trying to play God and they were like doing cloning and um, being very like war stricken with it. And that's not permitted. (laughs) So um, Atlantis, there's kind of two narratives, but there's one narrative that they just got too greedy and power hungry that they basically imploded themselves. But there's also like another narrative. And if you ask me, they go together that they were violating the fabric of incarnation or the fabric of life. So they were actually somewhat destroyed. Yeah. The laws of the universe. Um, Yeah. Violating them. Mm -hmm. Yes. So right now, again, we have people trying to play God, um, whether we're aware of it or not, I'm sure cloning is happening. There's a lot of like war narrative, just even like, you know, liberals versus conservatives, like they're always pitting us against each other. And um, this time, the the challenge is going to be I think what they're doing this time is like instead of letting just everything be destroyed they're hoping that they can like basically scoop up everybody who's of a higher frequency and let the other people implode themselves right Um, yeah but there has to be a critical mass there has to be enough people who are aware of it and not standing for it to Mm -hmm. tip the scales or else we're likely just going to (laughs) repeat what happened yeah do you feel like we're tipping the scales on that like fifth dimensional ascent I think so. I think so too. I've been, you know, just even with the amount of people who are um, just saying enough is enough. Like it's just so crappy that the media controls everything. So you can't see the light. You can't see the people rising. You can't see it because it's obviously hidden. Yeah. Um, But I do believe that we're tipping the the scales. And I also can tell because it feels like this negative agenda is just throwing whatever they have left in the bag at us I know and it's like sloppy and you're like oh they know it's over like that's how it feels it feels like toddler tantrums like where where maybe once you know if we look at like a hundred years ago there would have been this really like sadistically incredibly systemized structure to what they were doing and like very like long game they would have long game very slowly yeah yeah now it's just kind of like it's it's like they're having a tantrum in the middle of walmart in the toy section because Mm -hmm. the light said enough's enough and it's you know with all compassion obviously for humanity what we're going through let's like zoom out and maybe like disconnect from that on a level it's kind of comical like it's yeah if we can take the like seriousness and the like the the gravity of what is happening out (laughs) It's kind of funny to see them having tantrums, but yeah, I agree with that. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you want the listeners to kind of like leave off with and kind of have in their back pocket to take with them as the, the records kind of go? Just knowing that if you feel like you're stuck or you're struggling or, um, you're stuck in a loop that you can't get out of. Uh, it's it's calling you to do something 
constructively radical mm-hmm. to break that karmic loop. And it's asking you to love yourself more and show up accordingly, act accordingly. Mm. So breaking the loop will always be done in a big act of like self-love. And if you're really in a tight space, the testing portion isn't as painful. The universe will relieve you very quickly. It's when you start asking for more, you know, where you're like, I want more money. I want to travel. You know, those are, these are like really soul. But if you're in survival, the universe will support you very quickly in your ending of your karmic loop. Okay. So a big constructive action of self-love will get you out of it. Oh, I love that. And we're not talking like lush bath bombs and a spa day. We're talking like life changes, boundaries, choosing to love yourself and choosing actions that mm-hmm. love yourself. I love yeah. this. Yes. This is amazing. If people want to get a reading from you, where can they find you? And are you taking readings right now? I am. So uh, you can find me on Instagram is like my main platform, uh, but I do have, you know, TikTok and uh, Facebook. So it's just Akasha Awakened. Um, I think it's easy to spell, but hopefully you'll put it in the notes. It's going to be in, yeah, it's going to be in the the description for sure. Yeah. Perfect. And if you are looking at my site and you're like, what do I book? I feel like the karmic path session is like a really great insight into little tidbits of everything. And the other plus is I actually teach people how to read the Akashic Records. So there's oh, also that. Okay. Um, and yeah, check me out my website. I have everything online or just send me a message. Let's chat. Amazing. Okay. I will leave your Instagram, your website, everything down below. So if you guys are listening, I've had a couple of readings done by Kayla a couple of years ago. I strongly recommend it. It's super insightful. We were talking about it before we got on of like, I was reviewing my notes from a couple of years ago and I was like, yep, still checks out. Still absolutely working (laughs) on this. Um, so go check her out, give her some love, book a reading with her and Kayla, thank you so much for being on the cosmic collective. So nice to have you. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. And to everyone else who's listening, go be your divine self this week. You got this. I love you.